this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. I'm Scott Clapson. Welcome to A Million Drops Learning Center. We're here tonight with Robert Galinsky from an amazing play called The Bench. How are you, Robert? I'm great, and I'm even better now that I'm seeing you for a second time (laughs) in reality instead of digitally. Oh, yes, instead of digitally. And you are such an amazing playwright. Thank you. Thank you very much. You wrote The Bench, correct? I wrote The Bench, a homeless love story, which you saw. Yeah, I can't stop thinking about it. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah, I've told so many people. We're actually, a group of us from Food on Foot are hoping to come on Friday as oh, kind cool. of a group outing separate from Food on Foot. Uh, a friend of mine bond. just turned me on to Food on Foot. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's amazing. I've been participating with them for just over a year. Cool. So why, what inspired you to write this? Um, what inspired me to write it was knowing, I, I'm always interested in people that are ignored and there's no more person ignored than someone experiencing homelessness so uh i watched as people ignored these people and realized uh there was something interesting going on that we were missing and i got you know i just followed my curiosity and um ended up talking to a number of people and and getting to know them and realizing wow these are incredible people they've been through much i really love people who have been tested in different ways um I, you know, whether it's, whether it's an athlete or somebody experiencing homelessness, right? They're up against a lot to achieve what they want to achieve. And so that's exciting to me. I got excited and stuck with it. That's interesting. You, uh, you use the term people who are experiencing homelessness. Do you want to address that? Because I think it's really common for people to hear people referred to as the homeless. Why, why that phrasing? Um, um, Downtown Women's Center is another organization that I do some work with and when we did some training there, they said we're shifting the language. Others are as well. And they said we are not calling them homeless people. You're not homeless. It's people experiencing homelessness because people experience lots of things in life. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean they are labeled as those things all the time. And labels will limit us and labels, especially these negative labels and all the connotations that go along with it. So, um, it's another experience. I, I teach uh, young people in jail and prison. Right. And I'm going to shift the language there. You're not, and you're not a criminal. You're not um, a prisoner. You're somebody experiencing incarceration right now. And before even that phrase, I would always tell them, what you're going through right now is probably hell. But it, if you think about it, not everybody gets to go through this or has to go through this. Therefore, you're going to come out on the other side with a set of experiences and knowledge and wisdom that nobody, not many people have. I feel the same way about people experiencing homelessness. Yeah, it's a really powerful experience, really powerful journey to empathy, Mm -hmm. as I've been thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, much like you, started becoming aware of people years ago and then found myself as a student experiencing homelessness the first time and didn't really know what resources. And yeah, it's definitely a journey and a challenge. Um, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, you're... You came to the show, you expressed that to our audience after the show, which was made me very proud that you had the courage to do that, and it opened up so many eyes. I could just feel the room shift when you 
let people know about that experience. I like shifting rooms. <laughs> <laughs> well, space as an energy and words and rooms. And what you said too about the words we use yeah. have so much power. And for a while I've been, when I became aware of person first language is how I became aware of people experiencing homelessness, mm-hmm. acknowledging people's personhood first before their other intersectionalities. Mm-hmm. And I started experimenting that with that with faith communities and nonprofits and other people and just offering that as another option that people who are in the situation can self-identify however they want. Some people like the label homeless because they feel like it gives an urgency. I, on the other hand, like you said, I feel like it gets people who are in that experience. It helps them feel kind of trapped and it helps them feel like they don't have any other, like you said, it's harder to work out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, this is my label, whether I'm actually, I'm Scotty, right? I'm not a person who's homeless. I'm, I'm Scotty and drawing people's humanity out. Right. I think it's, um, it's really a wonderful shift in consciousness and can be used in other areas. The same thing with, are you a drug addict? No, I'm not a drug addict. I was experiencing drug addiction. Right. And, and I'm not speaking for myself, but as just an example. Um, so I think that we're also in a time where people's professions and so many different things shift so much. Nothing is as constant as it used to be. And mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a bad thing. So, but if that's the case, then my identity is going to change quite a bit. And the language should reflect that. Absolutely. So this show that you've written and you're performing every Thursday and Friday at the Hudson Theater. Yes. Right. Uh, It's only about an hour long, but I have to say it was one of the most amazing hours that I've spent since moving back to Los Angeles about a year ago. The way you took six people and you create such distinction and you have dialogue, right? Yeah. Like I've never experienced a one person show where these characters are in dialogue throughout the hour and you, you have voices that you do. Like yeah. they have fully developed personalities. Are these based on real people? Yeah. They're based on, um, five, five real people. Um, I wrote it as a play to be fully cast and we produced it a number of times fully cast. Really? So that's part of why I feel like the dialogue you're talking about is, um, more a traditional kind of play kind of dialogue. Uh, then about uh, 15 years ago, I thought, you know, I want to do a one-person show. I want to show off my what I think is my performance prowess. I don't really want to write something new. Um, and I had this piece that I loved. And I was like, what if I could pull this thing off solo? And I had a friend, Robin Selfridge, who directed me. And he does a lot of forensic speaking. And there's so many different techniques that he taught me. And... Um, did it once and it worked. People got it. People followed the characters and I thought, great, this is awesome. I'm going to keep going with this. How long ago was that? That was about 15 years ago. Oh, wow. So it's been a while that you've been developing it to this point. Yeah. I put it away for a while. I had a kid. I then pulled it out. I put it away for a while and got involved with different companies. I met DJ Cherish and then I put it away and then I pulled it back out again. And um, so it's been something that's been, um, I think she calls it my opus. It's been something that has been with me for 30 years um, and it rears its head every 10 years or so. But um, I knew about four years ago that I was old enough now to carry, I think to carry it, to bring the flavor that it needed to. And I'd been through enough that um, it was time for me to take this on and, and go for it. Yeah. Big thank you to DJ cherish our friend Cynthia for um, 
mentoring us. And yes. this is the first of many shows. Uh, this is called Real Good Stuff. I'm Scott Clapson sitting here with Robert Galinsky. I'm honored it, to be here at the first one. It's super exciting. Yeah, I wasn't expecting us to have our first guest so soon. And I love oh, the fact DJ that... DJ Cherish, you don't just talk. I, well, that's, and that's what you I'm do. amazed at. Like, <laughs> right? No time like the present. No time like the present. So, Robert, how can people go see your show? Thebenchplay.com is the best place to go. All the information, tickets, and everything are there. There's a Facebook page, The Bench, A Homeless Love Story. The hashtag is hashtag TheBenchPlay. Okay. It's all The Bench Play. And anybody who mentions Sure Microphones from the Million Drops Learning Center, we will... At the very least, give you half price tickets, but probably just comp you. So, yeah. mention sure, mention a million drops. Yeah, thank you so much, Robert. You are an amazing activist. I am so happy for a million drops. We're really grateful to a million drops. We're really grateful to DJ Cherish, uh, to Micah Both, uh, the director of a million drops, for uh, facilitating all of this in the recording space and sure microphones. And thank you, Robert Galinsky, for all that you do in shifting people's consciousness. Thank you, Scotty. I'm so happy I met you and met you through this experience. And it's, I'm doubly wowed that I'm here sitting with you right now being interviewed by you. <laughs> I you. know, right? What's the name of the show again? Real Good Stuff. Real Good Stuff. Scotty, you have been through a lot in your life. I'd love to get a little thumbnail of what's the real good stuff in your life right now. We'll talk about the past, but right now, what's the real good stuff going on with you? I got on the bus today and the bus driver said good morning. Great. And that to you is to some people that's okay. That's simple. But why is that real good stuff for you and could be for others? Because we live in a city where it's easy to go through the motions and forget that we're human, forget that we're people, forget that we want to connect and the act of getting on the bus. It happens so much. I've been on the bus more times today, probably on the train than I can count. Um, but just that experience, that that human connection, just for him to say good morning, uh -huh. just really shifted my day. That's great. Simplest thing yeah. you could do, too. Tell me a little bit about a million drops org. Uh, the million drops. Gosh, I found a million drops almost a year ago, December, at a laundry night uh, through Food on Foot. Actually, uh, they one of the participants said, "Hey, I know of a laundry night where you, people can get their laundry done." And I showed up at the laundromat. I met Micah and Denise, and they were super helpful. Uh, this was the beginning of December, and uh, it's a super clean laundromat I wash on Western. And I'd worked in a laundromat for four years, and. I was sleeping on the sidewalk and I had come back to LA. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was so impressed at these folks who had just decided, had taken it upon themselves to do people's laundry, well, help them do their laundry. And I'd heard of churches doing it, but I'd never heard of a nonprofit that was just doing it without any, like nothing attached to it. Mm -hmm. Like you just yeah. get fed and you just get to come and do your laundry. So I connected with Micah and we uh, started talking and I shared my passion for nonprofit work and my passion for meeting people where they're at and community organizing and my advocacy work that I've done in the past with people who are experiencing homelessness. So when they opened a Million Drops Learning Center back a few months ago, I wanted to start being involved and volunteering the way that I could. Um, so I've been here um, helping out and just kind of being an extra set of hands mm -hmm. uh, with um, Josh, one of the staff people here um, that's here. We're, they're open uh, Monday through Friday from two to six. Uh, there's a lot of emotional support that happens in this space. Mm -hmm. um, 
sometimes people find us. Sometimes other people come here for the shower program at Hollywood Adventist Church is where the A Million Drop Center is located at 1711 North Venice Avenue, uh, Hollywood Adventist Church. And just the space that's created here, like people are able to charge their phones. There's food that gets made oftentimes during the day. Uh, There's been a gardening group that's been happening. Love Foundation's been doing a self-empowerment group. We have a poetry group where we've all been writing poetry. Uh, Last week, actually, someone is a filmmaker and wanted to have us all watch something together. So we watched a show on PBS on Netflix and... We watched all these different episodes of this show about the wonders of the world and different ways that we interact with animals and plants and other people Uh on the planet. And just to see the dialogue that popped up in here and just the, as Greg from Love Foundation said it, just the brilliance of all the people that come in here, right? Again, people who are experiencing homelessness and um, just being present with that and feeling that. and. uh are the yeah. majority is, is everybody who comes here somebody they're experiencing homelessness now and they're coming here for all these this range of support front that you just talked about yeah the volunteers aren't always like the board members yeah. uh, for a million drops and some of the volunteers that come in to help they're not experiencing homelessness yep. um, but all of the all the of clients. the people that come in the clients yeah. the, um, the our friends I think yeah. is a better way of saying it because okay. I think a lot of people do connect and develop relationships. And what I've certainly learned is sometimes the best resource is another person who's been through the experience. Yep. Without a doubt. If you're willing to share with us, because so many people want to know when I do my show or when we talked about people experiencing homelessness, people always are wondering what happened. And, and as much as that is a sort of a sensational question, it's also a very important question. And if you're willing to answer, uh, it would be great to hear it because people need to know that, it, there are a billion different reasons why this happens to people, um, and there are no faults per se. So if you're willing to share your story briefly, it would be probably helpful for people listening too. Sure, absolutely. Um, I had left Los Angeles uh, about seven years ago. I was a student here at a community college, and I was studying anthropology, and I was inspired from through circumstances to return back to Oregon. Uh, while I was there, my dad passed, and I did a lot of community organizing in my hometown. Um, and then after the grief had subsided and I felt like I was strong enough to leave, uh, I decided to return back to L.A., which was, before he died, was really where I was on my way. I was on my way back here. Uh, I just got delayed for four years. I got back here and as happens, people were busy with their lives and I just thought I was back here for a purpose and I remember building relationships with people who were experiencing homelessness uh, in Koreatown when I lived there back in the early 2000s and I started seeing people getting displaced that long ago and hearing their stories and realizing that they were human Mm -hmm. Um, and being a student, school's expensive and a lot of money goes into that. And then also sometimes doing nonprofit work doesn't always pay a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was working for a nonprofit back in Oregon. So I wasn't really able to save money. And I just thought, you know what? I'm from Oregon. I know how to camp. I'm going to camp. And so I camped actually under the love mural uh, on Santa Monica across from Hollywood Forever Cemetery for about four months from November to the end of February. I ended up with a job. Um, at said laundromat, thanks to Ross Dodds. Uh, that was a really great experience. I was a really great way to get to know the community. Um, mm-hmm. And I worked there for about nine months. But my desire as I started going to job fairs uh, that the mayor has been conducting, Eric Garcetti has been conducting these job fairs to 
with this Proposition H money and getting people really aware and rallying around together around how do we do something about all these people that are being displaced in Los Angeles. And I started seeing that this was really a thing and that being a peer specialist or helping other people connect with resources and hearing them. I'm a really good listener that kept happening to me at the laundromat and it had happened to me at other jobs where people would just kind of show up and they were coming to do their laundry, but they were also really coming to be heard. Mm-hmm. And when I began to have other employees at the laundromat, notice that and point that out, that that was my gift at the yeah. laundromat. I realized that working at the laundromat was great, but I needed to pass that opportunity on to somebody else. And I needed to really pursue where my heart is, which is really helping people in a bigger way. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's been a challenge and it's not easy. It's not easy when you don't have a place to go to the bathroom. There's all sorts of health things that I've become aware of that have to go along with that, that are a public health issue that I didn't even think about besides just not having four walls to sleep in because the streets can be really dangerous. I've had a backpack stolen. I've had a lot of number of other things happen to me that I won't go into. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's very challenging and people don't really realize when you don't have those four walls to be inside, you're always on a heightened alert and it creates um, what I've come to kind of understand uh, is microaggressions, right? Uh And it causes then people not to want to trust. And that's been my experience is it becomes difficult then to accept help because Sometimes well-meaning people who have never been through the experience sometimes say things that it's like, oh, well, you don't understand what this is like to wake up in the dirt, you know? So, yeah. There again, you're one of the potentially worst experiences of your life becoming something that gives you knowledge, wisdom, and insight to help other people, therefore is a gift in some respects as well. Yeah. Um, I can compare that to some things I went through uh, as a child where it was the worst of worst times, but it opened my eyes to things that I never would have noticed before. Mm-hmm. So I'm super uh, proud to, to know you, to have met you, and to see who you are and to hear your story. Any last thought that you want to share with people? Listening is transformational. And the more that we do that, the more that we get off of our electronics Uh, because they kind of are pervasive and I'm seeing that, that it's almost hard to not do anything without an electronic device Mm -hmm. now. But people are craving connection. People are craving eye contact. They're craving being heard. Mm -hmm. And I found for me, that's the most powerful thing that people have done for me in this experience. Resources are great and those are really important and I think we all should together continue with that, right? It's really great when we collaborate and make magic happen. But it's also really important to listen. And I think that was a thing about the play, the bench, that inspired me the most is just the way that you heard people's stories and were present with them and just how many of us in this world are starting to practice that art again of Mm -hmm. listening and just the way that we're changing things because of that. Listening is transformational. I'm Robert Galinsky. I'm with Scotty here at AmillionDrops.org. Yes. And the name of the show is? Real Good Stuff. And you got to check it out more often here at AmillionDrops.org. Peace. Peace.